Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Let's just go ahead and just jump in. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. Glory to God. Jesus, you are Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. There we are. Praise God. Yep, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Jesus, you are the head of the church, and we are your body. We, Father God, are your bride. We are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we take our position as the body today. We're at right now, this very moment. Father God, what you spoke before the foundations of the earth, there is eternal words and eternal thought coming forth for this very moment. And I just thank you that we are not here on accident. Lord God, we are here by your design, and we enter in on purpose. Lord God, glory to God. Father, we come in with ears that hear. We come in with eyes that see. We come in as being stewards of the kingdom of God. And we thank you, Lord God. We allow the lordship of Jesus to rule and reign over this time. And oh yeah, right now we just humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And we allow that might to determine what we do, who we are, what we say, how we think, and how we govern all things. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Um, today, it's funny because obviously it's Mother's Day. Uh, I, I will not be talking at all about mothers um, unless just by whatever something comes up. But, um, but I, uh, I, was, I was in pre- preparation uh, on Monday just preparing for this, this message and... Um, and in fact, the Lord was talking to me a lot about joy, and I was really getting fired up about speaking on joy, and, and just, you know, I, I love teaching on joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and, uh, and I was just getting fired up about it, and then on Wednesday, um, I was in prayer, and, uh, and he's like, no, 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 that's not exactly where we're headed with this, and he, he went a totally different way with this, and, um, and it's like, okay then. Uh, this is something that a few months back, the Lord put a little, like a little, just a little word about this, but then as of Wednesday, he began to fill me in on it. And so, um, I just want us to understand where we're going to be at with this. This is something that, uh, we're going to address something that is an epidemic in the body of Christ right now. And, uh, it's, uh, you, you know that even like last week when I was here, I was speaking a prophetic word that had a lot to do with this church, right? I mean, it was spo- specifically for this church. Well, this word, obviously, it affects this church, but it's affecting the whole body. And so what we're going to do today, and I want you to join your faith with me today, we're going to speak some things in the atmosphere of the body of Christ. Okay, this is what the prophetic word does. Okay, sometimes it's very personal, sometimes it's, it's for the local body, and sometimes it's for the universal body. And what today I know what's for. I know it's for the universal body. And it, there's, there's things that are, that are affecting the, the, the body of Christ in a whole, and we today get to be the part of the body that gets it dealt with. Amen? And so that's why we're going to have communion. We're going we're gonna to deal with some things through communion as the local body affecting the universal body. Okay? So this is not just about you and me. This is not just about me taking communion. This is about us as a part of the body standing up as the body of Christ and saying no more, okay? That we just begin to step up into a new realm as the universal body, okay? Can you just agree with me on that? Praise God. So uh, this is a strong word. (laughs) The more I got into it, the stronger it got. And uh, and I was like, okay, we need some boldness on this because, uh, um, mm, okay, well, let's just... uh, (laughs) um, 
Yeah, we're going to. Uh, praise God. We're going to tear some things up. And, um, and so, yeah. Uh, so just, just like I said, this is, this is something that I want you on my, on my side with this because I'm going to be on God's side. And, um, and he, is, he, he does not want his body to walk around in weakness. And uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Isn't that right? Yeah. Praise God. So we need to walk in joy. Yeah. But there's something sapping the joy of the body of Christ. Yeah. And this is what he started talking to me. As I, was, as I, was just, I was just getting fired up to teach on joy. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. <laughs> you, know, you can teach on joy all day long, but if there's something sapping the joy, something sapping the peace, something sapping the strength, then it doesn't really matter. And um, uh, turn over there to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and, um, and this is, uh, we're going we're gonna to be in verse uh, 29, and he's talking about taking communion here, but it's interesting here, he says this, he says, um, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are what? Weak and what? Sick. Sick, and many sleep, in other words, they're dying young. Right? So he talks about people being sick, being weak, and dying young in the body of Christ. And, uh, and now, <laughs> here's, what he t- here's what he showed me. He showed me that, that there's something that causes this, something that causes people being weak, sick, and dying young. Go back to verse 29. It says, not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body has to do with being weak and sick and dying young. Okay? And obviously we know that this represents the body and the blood, but we also know we're talking about the body. Okay? We're talking about the body of the Lord Jesus Christ as a whole, as, as the church. Are you tracking with me so far? Okay. So not discerning the body of the Lord causes people to be weak and sick. Okay, and, and no matter how much joy gets poured in, no matter how much good teaching, no matter how much, you know, you go into a great Holy Ghost meetings, all, all that stuff is pouring in, but there's something sucking the life out of you. And it, you know what that is? It's a tick. You know what a tick is? You guys know around here what ticks are, right? <laughs> you know, back when I lived in Tulsa, I was about 21, 22, something like this at this time, and I was... Um, I went to uh, one of the lakes around Tulsa there, and uh, I was with my I was with my, with my roommate and a couple other people, and um, we uh, we decided that we're going to walk up a trail up you know just up a little short little trail up into the wooded area around the lake. Now I grew up in Oregon, and Oregon we don't have ticks and stuff like that. We actually have what, what I like to call friendly nature, okay? And uh, <laughs> out here you don't have friendly nature. Okay, and I don't know what people did a long time ago that cursed the land, but somebody needs to repent, okay, because it ain't right, okay? So here I am, I'm, I'm getting ready to go up on this trail, and my roommate, he goes, he goes no, well, wait a minute, we need to make sure, and he's, he's, he's telling me the, the, you know, the, the protocol here. He's going, okay, now make sure that you, that, that you, 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 uh, you know, tuck in your shirt, make sure you, you know, you make sure your, your sleeves are rolled up so there's so nothing, you know, and make sure that you, you, to take your pants and you put them down in your, in your boots or your socks or whatever, just making sure you're all tight and everything. And he's like, you don't want any ticks on you. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. And he goes, make sure that you don't go rubbing up against anything. Make sure you don't rub up against a bush or a tree or whatever. Right? And I'm just going, oh, my lands, what the heck? You know, it's like I'm, 
I'm, I'm walking through the woods now on this trail and I'm just like dodging and weaving, you know, I'm just like, you just literally just, I'm making sure I touch nothing, you know, this is not pleasant woods, okay, this is not kind nature, this is where I'm defending myself at every turn, and, uh, and so we go up a little ways, we come back, and he goes, uh, he goes, okay, well, we've got to do a tick check, you know, I'm like, what? I didn't touch a thing, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, so we're checking off whatever, you know, and uh, no ticks, glory to God. I'm like, okay, whatever. Okay, I survived the wood. And um, so I go home. Anyway, so the next day uh, in the morning, taking a shower, I find two ticks right here. I was hacked. <laughs> you know, are you kidding me? What in the world? I mean, this place is ridiculous, you know? Now, the thing is that now I just, I didn't even know there was a protocol to get those things out. I just used my fingernails, stinking things, you know, and, um, and I was fine. But, um, but understand that I didn't feel those ticks on me. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel them attach themselves. I didn't feel them burrowing in. I didn't feel them sucking my blood. They, they were doing it the whole time. And we need to realize that in this world around us, we live in a tick-rich environment. And there are things in the spirit realm that try to attach ourselves to, to our hearts and will suck the life out of you. And those ticks not only suck, but they also deposit disease. And I'm talking about things on the body of Christ. And it's epidemic right now. And the Lord started talking to me about this on Wednesday... And I've noticed it for the last several years in the body of Christ, and, and I've dealt with it myself. I'm, like, I'm not immune to this. this is a, we're in a tick-rich environment. And if you do not do tick checks, and if you don't know what a tick is, then it's probably because you got them all over you. <laughs> now, I understand, we are not ticks, right? I am not the tick. You are not the tick, right? Your brother and sister in the Lord is not the tick, right? Can we just agree with that? Okay, so this is not about you or I being a tick, praise God. And it's not about your brother and sister and the Lord next to you being a tick, even though you might anyway. Uh, but, uh, but understand, this is not that. This is things that try to attach to you and I, things that try to attach to our brother and sister and the Lord. These are things that are a common enemy, a common enemy between us and our brother and sister and the Lord, okay? Okay, so this is not making us, or this is not about condemnation, it's not about that, it's about how mad I was that morning when I found those ticks, I'm like, no, 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 this is not happening, right? And so, what we need to understand is that, is when we're talking about uh, um, things in the body of Christ, if, if we don't know that they're there, if we don't even, this is what we're going to do today, we're going to define what it is, we're going to expose it, got to be exposed, we're going to forsake it, which means we disidentify it with it, we pluck it off of ourselves, praise God, and then we're going to rejoice in the freedom of it, amen? That's what we're going to do today, okay? And so, but we've got to define some things. Now, let's uh, look over at the same chapter, turn, um, still talking about communion. Now, um, we're going to back up a little bit here. Now, this is when, when, when Paul is the one writing 1 Corinthians by the Holy Ghost, and now Paul wasn't one of the disciples, right? He wasn't one of the twelve. So, so there's certain things that the Holy Spirit, you know, the Lord through the Holy Spirit in whatever way uh, communicated to Paul specifically. And communion was one of these things. Communion, Paul, didn't, Paul did not learn about communion through one of the other disciples. He didn't learn about this. This was something that, that Jesus, by whether it be vision, encounter, visitation, I don't know, but Jesus himself showed up to Paul and said, here's what happened. 
This is how important communion is. It's a hugely important deal in the body of Christ. Because Paul didn't learn this by flesh and blood. He learned it just by Jesus himself revealing, here's, what, here's how this works. And so in 1 Corinthians, we see, verse 23, let's go back up to verse 23. And Paul, this is what Paul says, verse 23. It says, for I received from the Lord. This is what he's saying. The Lord taught this to me. Didn't receive it from man. I didn't go to, I didn't go to Peter and James and John and find this out. I got this from the Lord himself. And the Lord himself showed Paul what happened that night. This is amazing to me. He goes, and the Lord, which I also, he goes, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord, Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. Now, this verse is what jumped up at me about three months ago. I was about to take communion, and this verse jumped up at me. And he says, now, he says, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. This is what Jesus is telling Paul. So Paul is sitting there, and Jesus, by, by whichever way he did it, is revealing to Paul, he's going, Jesus is doing this. He says, the same night I was betrayed, I took bread. And this is what jumped up at me a few months ago, and this is from, from you know, this last week on Wednesday, he began to expound on this. There's something about this. Why did he say it was the night he was betrayed? Why is that important? Why did he tell Paul, that it, why did he focus on that? Why did he emphasize that? A lot of things happened that night, right? It didn't say the night that he was denied by Peter, does it? Was he denied by Peter? Yeah. He didn't say that. He didn't say the night that I was taken. He didn't say the night that I, that I was taken and tried and then I was scourged and beat. He didn't say all of that. He just said the night I was betrayed. Ah, this is interesting to me. That tells me that betrayal has something to do with redemption. That he dealt with betrayal through his body and through his blood. And betrayal is a main emphasis of the redemption of Jesus. Let's look at a couple, let's just look at how much he emphasizes this. Go back to Matthew and in chapter 10. This is a, this is, I'm going to, like I said, this is a strong word. This is not, this is, this is something that we need to deal with. This is a tick on the body of Christ and we just don't know it. Hasn't been identified. In Matthew chapter 10, I'm just going to run through several verses real quick on how many times, just in the book of Matthew alone, he mentions the betrayal. Matthew chapter 10, verse 4. 10, verse 4. says, Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who what? Also betrayed him. Now, once again, every time he mentions Peter, it doesn't say that Peter denied him, right? He's not called Peter the denier, but he denied him. Right? He didn't, it doesn't say when he mentions Thomas that Thomas is going to be the one that doubts, but he did it, right? right. But every, you understand, when he mentions Judas, what does he mention about Judas? He's a betrayer. Yeah. Notice, now let's keep going here. Chapter, verse seven, chapter 17, verse 22. 17, 22. It says, Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed in the hands of men. So he highlights the betrayal again. Chapter 20, and uh, let's see, verse 18, let's see, verse 18. It says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes, and will, will condemn him to death. Uh, chapter 26, verse 21. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Verse 22. 
And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say, Lord, is it I? Verse 23. And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. Uh, go to verse 24. Let's keep going. Verse 24. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it has been written, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be, have been better for him not to be born. Verse 25. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he says, yeah, you said it. It's you, yep. <laughs> okay. Let's go to the next verse, verse 46. Same chapter, verse 46. It says, rise, let us go, seeing my betrayer is at hand. Verse 48. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, whoever I kiss, he is the one sees him. And then uh, chapter 27 and verse 3. It says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful, brought back the 30 pieces of silver and the chief priests and the elders. Okay, so now notice how many times the betrayal is, is emphasized. In the book of John, it's emphasized nine different times that Judas betrayed him. Luke is the same way. Mark is the same way. In all four Gospels, it's emphasized multiple, multiple times. That's interesting to me. Like I said, we, don't, we don't see the emphasis on the denial. We don't see the emphasis on the, even the beating or on the scourging or even on the crucifixion itself. We see that over and over about betrayal. Interesting to me. Now, when I see that, that tells me, once again... When, when he does all this, all, leading all the way up to the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And he emphasizes that to the Apostle Paul when he's, re, when he's revealing the importance of communion. Because betrayal is the tick on the body of Christ. The thing is, we don't really know how to recognize betrayal. And I'm going to be very frank right now. I have been betrayed, and, I've, and then I have betrayed. I've been a betrayer. I did not know it at the time. I didn't know I was being betrayed, and I didn't know I was betraying. But it is a tick, and it sucks the joy out of you. Now understand, Jesus, he's doing things for the joy set before him, and I'm sitting there going, man, Lord, why did you emphasize this so much? Why was this even needed? Why was it necessary? Now it's interesting when you start talking about betrayal, because people, when we hear the word betrayal, it's a very dark word, isn't it? Very sinister word. It's like it carries something. You know what I'm talking? It's like, oh, it's betrayal. You know, and it's like nobody wants to, you know, obviously, you know, sit there and align themselves with that word because they're like, no, I would never, I would never, ever, not gonna happen. But you know, it's kind of like you know, one time when I was talking to my brother-in-law Pat. Now, brother, my brother-in-law Pat is a very unique guy, and um, he. Uh, he, is how he would eat his food. He would, he would, I don't know if he still does or not, I haven't been around him in a while, but, but he would eat, like he would take a bite and he would just like chew it like once, maybe once and a half, and then he would just swallow. Just, he'd just bite it, and he'd always he'd do it like that too. He'd go, gunk, you know? And, uh, and I mean, I, I noticed this for a while, you know? I knew him, you know, since I was like 13, and, or 14, actually, something like that. But anyway, and, uh, and I was talking to him one time, and I said, Pat, do you, ever, do you ever get congested when you eat? You know, just wondering. Doesn't look like his, uh, physiologically it would be possible for him not to get congested, you know? And because, um, and, uh, you know, I, I just know how I could get if I eat too fast and I'm not, you know, chewing right. I know how it is. You know, so I, and he goes, no, I never get congested. And I'm like, what? You know, I'm in awe of this. You know, it's like, what kind of 
digestive system do you have, you know, because it's like just a gullet, you know, just like straight down, you know, like you're some kind of crane or something, you know, and, um, and so anyway, uh, does that remind you of somebody, Bob, or something? I don't know. It's like, I don't <laughs> so anyway, here I am. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's Caleb. Okay. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Caleb's the crane. Okay. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so here, here he is. So I'm, I'm going, I go, oh, that's ridiculous. I go, so I go, oh, you never get like that, you know, like where it kind of feels like it's kind of clogged. It's kind of hurting a little bit. It's kind of like backed up. You know, you never kind of get like that tightness, you know, right there. You never get that. And he goes, oh, that, yeah, I get that every time I eat. <laughs> See, he's totally serious. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that's not normal. You know? But he thought that was normal. You see, and I'm like, no, I'm calling that an abnormality, and he's calling it normal. And so when I said, have you ever got congested? He's like, no, I've never got congested in my life. You know, but he actually had been congested every time he ate. Right? He just didn't know it. Because he didn't know the definition of the term. I'm telling you, we don't know the definition of the term betrayal, and so we don't know it's on us all the stinking time. And we've, we, we've, we've, we've pushed it off to this dark thing that we would never, ever admit to being a part of it, never want to be a part of it. We don't want to be a part of it. None of us want to be a part of that. I don't think Judas woke up when he was a disciple and said, you know, I think I'm going to be the betrayer. I think I'm going to be from now on for all of eternity in the, in the eternal word of God, I'm going to be Judas the betrayer. I don't think that was ever his, 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 his desire, but he became that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's not that, like I said, we are not the tick. We just have to expose the tick and get it off of us. Praise God. And so this, this, when I'm getting into this, I'm going, oh my goodness, there's a reason why he emphasized betrayal over and over and over and over and over. There's a reason why he did it. And it's not because it was just going to be like one every billion people on the earth was going to be one. And there's a reason why he said the night that he, that night he was betrayed, he took bread. Because what betrayal does is it saps the joy and the strength out of us. So when, even when we have an intent to do something and we reach our hand out there to do it and we try to grab something and we try to do something with it, we don't have the strength to do it. And we think we should because we've been eating right. We've been in church. You know what I'm talking about? We've been, being ourselves, we've been spiritually revving up. We've been doing what we're supposed to be doing, but the strength is lacking. Because it's not a matter of how much input we've had. It's a matter of there's a tick on us. Does this make sense? We need to speak some things in the body of Christ because there's an epidemic of betrayal. And we just don't know. So when people, if somebody were to, there was a day when somebody were to walk up to me and said, have you ever been betrayed? I'd be like, yeah, probably. Have you ever betrayed anybody? No, never. I've never betrayed anybody. But I had. I didn't know it. Didn't intend it. Didn't desire to do it. But I had partaken of it because when that, when that, when that tick got on me, it not only sucked my blood, but it deposited something on me. Well, not my choice. I didn't choose to have it in me, but it, we're in a tick-rich environment. And even though I dodged a lot of stuff, and I thought I walked away tick-free, I didn't. And if we see in 1 Corinthians 11 that the night he was betrayed, he took bread. 
That meant to me, what it means to me is it requires his blood to deal with it. It, was re- it has to have his blood to deal with it. And if I'm not using his blood to deal with it, it's not going to be dealt with. Okay? And so, uh, man, hmm. Okay, so, um, my goodness. Okay, so let's just talk about betrayal a little bit. Like I said, this is, this is not something that is, this, uh, it's a serious subject, but it, praise God, we can just walk away free of it and, uh, and not have it de- dealt with, I mean, not, not, not have it a part of our life at all. We just have to begin to expose it, define it, repent, just walk on, praise God. Allow the blood to deal with it. And that's what we're going to do today, amen? Okay, so the, let's just talk about betrayal a little bit. Um, turn over to Psalms 55. Psalms 55. And um, now betrayal... Just a simple definition, of course, and we, we, you know, let me just ask you this. Anybody here, uh, you know, you, you felt like you've been betrayed before? I mean, I'm telling you, this is like, you know, I'm, I don't know of anybody who probably hasn't. Because the, the term betrayal, what it means is, of course, that you build a relationship with somebody, and then there's a breach in the contract of that relationship, yeah. Right? So somebody actually betrays your trust, right? You actually have invested trust through that relationship. And then somebody does something to violate that trust. Is that right? You know what I'm talking about. Where you've invested, so you've given them your trust. You've given them a certain level of your, of your, of your heart, your investment, your time, whatever. And that relationship has built a certain level of trust. And then actions are taken. Not just actions. It can be in word. It can be in, in attitude. It can be in actions. But something happens where they violate that trust. And now they're no longer acting like somebody who is, who is in favor of you. They're acting like they're against you. Right? This is just betrayal. And so you walk away thinking, okay, well, what just happened there? I thought everything was fine. And the next thing you know, you kind of feel like you got blindsided because they just done you wrong. They just didn't do what was right in accordance with the relationship. Right? I mean, this is simple stuff. And you feel violated, and you feel like, 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 hey, you know what? Just I mean, come on, you know, <laughs> something just happened here. And uh, and you, you, what happens with all this stuff is, you know, you can feel obviously you feel like you have to now defend yourself, you have to protect yourself, you have to maybe defend the accusations that are coming, you have to defend whatever, whatever. And you're, you're so blindsided by it. But what happens is you end up people who, who have been betrayed several times, or even just one time, can be start putting up barriers of control, and they can be put up barriers of defense, self preservation, so they don't. Don't let people in as close as they used to. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. And, and the, the, because the people who used to, that at one point in time, it could have happened when you were a child or whatever, but at some point in time, the people that you thought you should be able to trust were the ones who hurt you. Right? Over here in Psalms 55, of course, David talks about this in verse 12. Psalms 55 and verse 12. It says, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me. He says, then I could bear it. If it was an enemy, fine. He goes, nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from it. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. Hmm. Verse 14. We took sweet counsel together, and we walked to the house of God in the throng. He goes, we actually worshiped together. We prayed together. We sought God together. Does this resonate? We built something together. We were on the same team doing something together. We were both invested in the same thing together. 
We shared our hearts. He goes, if it would have been my enemy, I could, have, I, that would have been, I, I could understand that because I was looking for that. You know, if it would have been somebody who wasn't for me, then I understand that. But it was my friend. It was the one that was with me. See, betrayal can only happen when there's a relationship. It can only happen in that place where there's trust. If somebody doesn't have my trust, they don't have the opportunity to betray me. And that's why after we get betrayed, we put up walls so that, yeah, so that we don't give our trust out anymore because we don't want to be vulnerable again. Right? And so... And so, you know, just, just getting to that point where we, I want you to understand just the effects of betrayed, being betrayed. And it's so, it's so interesting because, um, you know, of course, that's when bitterness comes up, unforgiveness. People get really cynical. People get critical. People push people away. I'm telling you, I, I, I could fall into, I could sit there and put my name in front of a lot of those things because I've been betrayed. And I had to watch my soul. I had to watch my heart so that I didn't cut it off from people. You know, and I remember one time sitting in my car, having my heart ripped out because of a relationship I had been in. And this is when I'm like, I don't know, 20 years old or something like this. And I'm just sitting there just, I know it wasn't God's fault. I know it was my fault, but I wasn't, I'm still, obviously still blaming uh, the, the young lady who broke my heart. But, um, but I remember sitting there going, Father, this isn't your fault. And then I'm looking ahead in the future and I'm going, and one day I'm going to be married. And I don't want my wife to get half of me. And I don't want my wife to get a beat up soul that is, that's bringing baggage into that relationship. I want my wife to have all of me and I want her to have a soft heart and I want her to, to have something that I just give her everything. So I will not back up. I will not, I will not put up the walls. Even though my heart wants to go into self-preservation mode right now and my heart wants to go and hide in a little hole right now, I'm not going to do that. You know, but the thing is, what I had to do is cry out to God. Yeah. It's going to be by your grace that I do this. Now, the thing is, I had to walk out some forgiveness. I had to do some certain things. But that was a very extreme case of betrayal. But, like I said, it, it, what it does is it, is it was trying to sap into my joy. You know, if, if you have, you know, it says in, in, even in the book of John and, and in, in uh, I believe it's Mark, it says that Jesus knew who, he'd be, who would betray him from day one. He knew it, right? How does that affect your joy level when you know the betrayer is with you? You, you understand that if you know you're just pouring into something they're going to betray you, how much joy could you possibly walk in? Well, supernaturally, we can walk in all joy, praise God. But naturally, it's tough to do. And if we are so afraid of somebody betraying us, it'll sap our joy. It'll make it no more fun to obey God. It'll make it no more fun to... to, to, to because what it does is it, it tries to take your courage so you can't even jump out with boldness and strength because the last time you did that, you thought you were doing the right thing, you thought you were in the right relationship, you thought you were invested in the right thing, you thought you were going off, and, that, and you got you know, basically butt hurt, and so now you're back up going, okay, well, I don't know about all that now. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And you feel foolish, yeah. and you don't want to look foolish again. Good. Okay. So that's, <laughs> hmm, this is, I'm sorry, there's ticks. The body of Christ is full of ticks right now. It's not just from being betrayed, because what happens is, when we get betrayed, that tick, once again, it doesn't just suck our blood, does it? What else does it do? What have I already said? It deposits something. It deposits a disease that you can pass on to other people. 
This is the problem. The problem is not that we've been betrayed. The problem is we've allowed the seed of betrayal to now be a part of our bloodstream. And so we're passing it on. And we don't even know it. But this is why Jesus talks, this is why he talked about so many times through the Gospels. He's going to be betrayed. 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 He's going to be betrayed over and over. See, denial didn't do this. It wasn't denial that did it. It was betrayal that did it. And it, man, it tries to sap the strength of the body of Christ. And so, um, now the funny thing, I remember one time we were, uh, um, we were, when we were pastoring our church up in Seaside, um, we had uh, a couple that, had, that, that were good friends of ours as far as they, they joined the church. They became good friends of ours, loved God, and we, we walked some things out. I mean, we're seeking God together. Well, after a little while, they just done us wrong. And uh, they went and did their own thing, and, and, and it was wrong. And now, the, now it's funny because, man, that, that hurt. It definitely hurt me. Because once again, I'm like David going, these are not my enemies. These are people who we walked with God. We cried together. We prayed together. We walked it out together. And now, now, like I said, they still didn't view themselves as my enemy, but they were betraying me, and they didn't even know it. And I'm sitting there hurt. Now, I, I walked through a forgiveness process, praise God, and I hand some things over to God. And I remember several months later, uh, we were with another friends, some other friends of ours who were in the ministry, and they had, they had, they had heard some things that happened, and, um, and they didn't know the details and everything else. Well, uh, one of them has asked me, they go, oh, Pastor Darrell, and they're close enough friends that we can talk about stuff, but they're, they're like, so what really happened with that couple? What actually happened? And I just stopped right there and I said, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they did wrong. What matters right now is what am I doing that's right? Because I didn't want to be a betrayer. I didn't, even, I didn't know any of this at the time. I didn't know that there was a tick on me. I didn't know that that tick was not only sucking my blood, but it was actually trying to deposit. I didn't know any of that at the time, but I knew my heart. I knew that I had to deal with my heart, and my heart I had to cut that line off. Had to. And I couldn't sit there and talk about what they had done wrong. I couldn't sit there and talk about that. I had to say, no, 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 what am I doing right that's right now? What am I doing right? That's the only thing is, what am I doing right toward them and toward everybody around me? And, I say, and we're still good friends, you understand? We're, it's, not, it's not like, you know, they're not my enemy today. We're still good friends. Praise God! But it doesn't mean that everything was done right. Now, when you're talking about what's interesting about this is that the... Uh, hmm, now, so we talked about the effects of the betrayed, on, but let's just talk about the betrayer. Now, the betrayer, interesting thing, because when we're talking about betrayal, usually what we think of is we think of the word uh, traitor, right? Somebody who's a traitor. Somebody switches sides and now is basically on the side of the enemy. A traitor and a betrayer are two different things. A traitor is somebody who switches sides. A traitor is somebody who actually, you know, is... is you know, at one point they're on your side, and then they go to the dark side. Now they want now that now their desires and their affections are for the dark side. That's not what a betrayer is. A betrayer, Judas, still wanted the things of God. He never stopped loving God. It's interesting. Let's look at Judas a little bit here. Now, listen, I don't think that, I'm not, I'm not pro-Judas, you understand? I'm not defending Judas' actions, okay? I'm not like, yay, Judas. That's not what I'm saying here. But what we have to get a hold of is, if it can happen in Judas, it can happen in anybody. And that seed of betrayal is what is affecting all of the body of Christ right now. And they just don't know it. 
And so here, Judas, he didn't stop loving God. He didn't change sides. He wasn't rooting for the devil. He wasn't doing all that. He loved God. He still wanted the plan of God to come to pass. He still wanted all of that to happen. But he was still a betrayer. And the thing is, we can still love God and be a betrayer. We can still want the plan of God to come to pass and be a betrayer. And this is where people don't understand. Because they think, if I'm a betrayer, then I, don't, then I must change allegiances. That's not true at all. To be a betrayer, I simply have to view my relationship differently. He viewed his relationship with Jesus differently than it did when, it, when he started. And when you, this, oh my goodness, this is huge. Oh man. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> now one thing about Judas is he didn't know. He didn't know what his actions were going to do. Remember what we already read was that when, when he found out what was actually happening, he went back and returned the money, didn't he? Yeah. So, do you think, so, so in other words, his actions were not intended to cause harm, right? He did not intend harm. He didn't want to harm Jesus. He still cared for Jesus. So if somebody were to ask him that day before it all happened, do you still love Jesus? He would be like, yeah, I love Jesus. This is huge. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about being a traitor. I'm talking about being a betrayer. Yeah. And I'm, I'm standing up right now, and I'm saying, listen, I have betrayed before. And I didn't even know it. Because out of my mouth, if somebody said, do you still love them? I'd say, yeah, I still love them. The whole time, I'm betraying them. Do I, do, oh, you want, do you want harm? No, I don't want harm to come to them at all. I don't, I don't have any ill will toward them at all. Still love them. Praise God. Woohoo. <laughs> but I'm betraying him. Oh, this is... Can you feel that? I mean, I'm just talking about in the spirit. Can you feel this? That there is a spirit of betrayal that people don't know is betrayal. Because they still love whoever it is. They'll still support them. They'll still whatever. But they're still betraying them. Jesus didn't want any harm to come to Jesus. Judas didn't want any harm to come to Jesus. That wasn't his intent. His intent was not maliciousness at all. What did he do? Now here, we know when he found out that harm was coming to Jesus, he's like, no, this is not what I wanted. I didn't want this at all. Here's the money back. And they're like, too late now. Done. When we betray people, number one, we don't know we're betraying. Number two, we don't know the harm that's being done. And we can do it in word, we can do it in deed, and we can do it in attitude. And we can still love the person, and we can still love the plan of God and want the plan of God. Do you know how much I'm seeing this in the body of Christ right now? I'm seeing this all over the body of Christ. Where people will stand up, and I've been one of them, where I've stood up and said, you know, I still love them, I'm still for them, I'm still for the plan of God, blah, 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 but my attitude is totally against them now. And it's not because I don't love them and I don't want harm to come to them, but my attitude and my investment in my relationship with them has changed. I just want you to begin tracking here. Because betrayal is not the deep, dark, sinister, overlying. You don't wake up one day and say, you know, I'm going to betray somebody today. It begins with attitude shifts. It begins with just not seeing the relationship the way you used to see it. And it doesn't mean that you mean ill will. 
It just means that, hey, you know, um, you, you start doing something that causes harm without wanting to cause harm. And this is what's happening in the body. Um, the funny thing is about the, both the betrayed and the betrayer, both of them feel the same thing in, at the end of the relationship. Both of them feel like they got the, the shaft. That's the funny thing about it. You know, when, there's been times when I have totally been betrayed and I felt like I got the shaft. There's been times when I betrayed people. The reason why I betrayed them, guess what it was? I felt like I got the shaft, right? And so we both felt the same way. We both felt that we had been treated unjustly. Both the betrayer and the betrayee are the one, both feeling the same way at the end of it, going, we felt unjustly treated. And so we're doing something else now. This is all over. This is epidemic, I'm telling you. And, and, and what we don't realize is those, the, the attitudes that go with this are, are ticks. And, um, and, you know, you can sit there in, in uh, uh, <laughs> you can sit there in, in uh, you know, in, in the moment when, you're, when the attitudes are beginning to build. You know, attitudes don't have to have words with them. Yep. Right? I never said anything bad about it. Well... You don't need to say anything bad about it. <laughs> you know, attitude. You ever, you ever get a text that had an attitude with it? Doesn't need a lot of words. Sometimes the less words, the more attitude, right? I don't know if you ever experienced that before. It's like one word reply, and you're like, okay. That just went into the whole atmosphere, right? <laughs> I mean, but the, the funny thing, you know, people don't know. It's like, you don't know, your attitude is the voice of your heart. Your attitude is the voice of your heart. It's not what's coming out of your mouth that's the voice of your heart. It's your attitude. I remember one time I was, I was in prayer and, and, um, uh, and I was just thinking about d- just attitudes and stuff and just repenting over stuff and all that stuff. And the Lord just started talking to me about like, you know, the word says that whoever believes in his heart and speaks with his mouth, he can be saved. Praise God, right? It says speak to the mountain and it'll obey you. And so we know the power of words, obviously. But he began talking to me about the going... Does that still apply to somebody who is mute? Interesting. So now suddenly mute people can't get saved? Mute people can't walk in authority? We know that's not true, right? I mean, this is just, you know, it sounds stupid when you say it that way. But honestly, we're stupid most of the time. And so, because we don't process things out. And so we, we think that, well, well, you know, I'm sitting there going, well, obviously mute people can be saved, you know, and mute people can, can walk in authority, but they don't need their mouth to do it. So what do they need? They need their attitude to do it. Don't tell me you're in faith just because you say you're in faith. Your attitude is the voice of your heart. Don't tell me you're in faith and you don't have joy. If you don't have joy, you don't have faith. Your attitude is the voice of your heart. It's changing the atmosphere around you. You ever have somebody walk in the room, never say a word, and you know the, ad- the atmosphere has been shifted? Why? Not because of what they said, because the attitude they carried, right? Is the attitude. I remember my sister. <laughs> She's, uh, you know, she has uh, several children. One of her child, children was a little bit more strong-willed than the other ones. Um, on a, that's a super conservative way to say that. And, um, uh, and, uh, and so one time we're standing there, and, uh, and her, her daughter uh, had, a, had an attitude, you know. And, uh, and she asked her daughter to go, and she goes, okay. You know, she goes marching off, you know. And my sister goes, uh, you need to change your attitude, you know. And she goes, okay. And, and you know, change, she, she goes, uh, your attitude, you know, she goes, 
okay. <laughs> and she says, goes, she goes, change your attitude. She goes, I said okay. <laughs> she actually said that. And I'm like about to bust. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you don't understand what attitude is, apparently. <laughs> you, know? you think it's volume, and your volume is just going up. <laughs> you know? But... Uh, but we need to get that your attitude is the voice of your heart. So when we're sitting there, and I, I'm, I'm talking about myself. How many times have I sat there and said, you know what, I'm totally for them, but my attitude is not for them. My attitude is betraying them. What did Judas do? Judas did not pound any nails in his hand. Judas did not whip his back. Judas did not put a crown of thorns on his head. Judas did not try him. Judas simply took the side of the accuser. That's what he did. For three and a half years, he supported and defended, and then he chose to be on the side of the accuser. This is the betrayal. The betrayal carries the spirit of the accuser. Can you see this in the body of Christ? Pointing the finger, saying, yeah, yeah, and okay, let me just keep going. <laughs> um, hmm. Okay, let's talk about Judas a little bit here. Um, who was Judas in, 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 the, in the scope, not as a betrayer, but think about him as to what his journey was to get to the point of betraying? Because I think we can all identify with these things. Judas, here he was, he was one of the disciples, right? And so here he's following Jesus, and he's one of the 12 disciples. He was not a lesser disciple. It doesn't say there was the 11, there was Judas, it lists him amongst all the disciples, right? He was just as much a disciple as Peter, James, and John. He was just as much. He, in other words, he was just as committed as Peter, James, and John, right? His commitment level was not the issue. See, we, we tend to think of a betrayer as looking a certain way, and we don't realize a betrayer looks just like a disciple. Acts just like a disciple is committed to the same degree as all the other disciples. He gave up his life just like Peter, James, and John did in, in the, when, they get, when they left their nets to follow Jesus. Judas had to leave his life to follow Jesus too. Isn't that right? Yeah. He was, it was not a matter of commitment. Right. He was in all the way, just like everybody else. He loved Jesus. He loved the plan of God. He was looking for the Messiah just like everybody else. And he, he was, here he is, he's walking with this, and what I love about it is he, he's, he was there when he saw Jesus doing all, he, he wasn't just watching the miracles, he was with them when Jesus sent them out two by two. Isn't that right? Yeah. And what did they do? They laid hands on the sick, and they saw them healed. They cast out devils, they performed miracles, they raised the dead, and Judas was doing all of it. And Judas came back with the others and was rejoicing, saying, even the demons are, are in authority under your name. Uh, you know, he's, he's part of them. Man, we got to get this. This is not about people's lack of commitment. It's not, about their, it's not even about how sincere they are in the body of Christ. These are, I'm talking about the body. I'm talking about us. Praise God. We just got ticks. We are not the tick. We just got them. Right? This is why I wanted to make this very clear. I'm not the tick. You're not the tick. Okay? It's just that the ticks are on us. It doesn't have anything to do with how much you love God. It doesn't have anything to do with how sincere you are, how committed you are. It doesn't have anything to do with how, how much you want the plan of God in your life. It has to do with a tick. Now, so here he's following Jesus. Jesus, here he is, perfect man, right? Flowed with the Spirit without measure anointed behind anybody else, 
only knew how to walk in love. He only did what he saw the Father do, only said what he heard the Father say, right? So most of the time when we look at Jesus, we're like, man, that would have been awesome to just follow Jesus around for three and a half years, eating with him, talking with him, having him just pour into us every day. Man, that would be a good, good thing, right? I'm telling you, though, even though he was the best leader in the world and the best pastor, the best apostle, the best prophet, the best teacher, the best everything in the world, more anointed than any other man in the world, walking in love more than anybody else in the world, he was not easy to follow. And we think that Jesus would be naturally easy to follow because he's perfect in everything he does. This is a huge point because he couldn't get any more perfect, and yet he was not easy to follow. Think about Judas, just like all the other 12, are walking with him. Now, what did, what did Jesus, Jesus as a, as a leader, let's, let's think about this. He is a one-man cult, right? I'm talking about in his day and age, he is a cult, right? He walks up challenging all traditional values and all the traditional teaching, and he is a cult. And he says, leave everything behind and follow me. Cult. Right? <laughs> and he's being a, and anybody who follows him gets harassed everywhere they go. Not a lot of fun, right? You're ha- Once again, you're having, you don't have the answers. You don't, you're, you don't have the spirit without measure, but you're being harassed everywhere you go. And people are picking up stones to stone him all the time. They're wanting to throw him off of cliffs. They're doing all kinds of stuff. And you're having to follow this guy, right? And he's challenging everything that everybody knows. And in hindsight, we look at that going, oh, what a brilliant way. No, this would have been a hacked off life. This would have been frustrating every day. I'm just telling you, if I would have followed Jesus, I probably would have betrayed him a long time ago. Because this would have hacked me off. Jesus, you know, he's a perfect man, but look what he did. He had constant, oh my kid, he constantly expected more sacrifice from them. Constantly. This is not, if he, was, if he was standing right here, if he was your pastor today, I bet you a bunch of people would hate him so much. Because he said, you know what, leave everything behind, follow me. And then he says, and if you don't forsake your mom and your dad and your brothers and your sisters, if you don't hate all them people, you're not worthy of me. That's a hard thing to hear and do, right? And then he puts unreasonable correction on them. They're about to be killed in a boat in the middle of the sea when their boat's being filled with water, and he rebukes them for being afraid. How dare he? I'm just talking about He's a leader, right? He's the guy leading the thing. They don't know he's the Messiah. They don't know what's about to happen. They don't have the Holy Ghost. They're not even new wineskins yet. They're just a bunch of dudes following another dude. And they have to do it by faith. And he's sitting there going, why are you even afraid? You fools. Slow of heart to believe. This is not the guy you want pastoring you, Right? And then, I mean, he, he's constantly upping the bar, constantly demanding more commitment, constantly demanding more sacrifice. And he goes, you know what? And the world's going to hate you too. <laughs> this isn't fun. We look at it going, ooh, ah, ah, ah. No. Right? And then, here he is. He does really cool things, but here Judas, he's 
totally committed, totally doing it, getting all, just, you know, all this stuff is being wrung out of him. And then there's times when Jesus is going to go do something really cool, and he takes Peter, James, and John. doesn't take Judas or the other guys. So he's not in the cool club. Oh. I'm talking about, can you get an attitude about this stuff? You see, betrayal begins when you start saying, that's not fair. That's where betrayal begins. Betrayal begins by saying, I don't feel like I've been treated fairly. I think that something should be done about this. Oh, man. This is interesting. <laughs> so here he is. Um, oh, and then, I love this. Okay, so here he is. He is uh, following Jesus. Jesus is now, um, man, not an easy guy to follow, not an easy guy to be led by. But here, they get to do some cool stuff, and they get to see some cool stuff. But then, they start, they start building a good little following. I don't know how many were there, but let's just say there was 100 people. I don't know. But they have a pretty cool little following now, and they're like, yeah, we're on the right team. We're on the, look, people are following us. We're on the right side. We're doing good. We're growing. We're growing. That's what we want. We want growth, right? Right? Growth. Praise God. Then Jesus steps up and says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, or you'll have no part of me. And, and they go, that's a hard saying. Who can hear it? And then instead of explaining himself like any good pastor would do, he says, that's because your flesh profits nothing. My words are spirit and life. Get over it. And it says, and many who followed him up until that point followed him no more. And then the disciples, <laughs> they're like, dude, what are we doing? And he goes, if you want to leave, are you offended right now? Are you offended? There's the door. Does this sound like a good leader? No, it doesn't. Not in our eyes. I'm talking about in society's eyes, in what we expect, this does not sound like a good leader. Because it sounds like somebody who's shooting themselves in the foot over and over again. And even when Herod pulls him in, I mean, excuse me, Pilate pulls him in and says, don't talk that way anymore because the Jews are going to want to kill you, he went all the more and said, I'm the son of God, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Does not sound like somebody who wants to grow a good thing. And I'm just telling you, here's Judas. <laughs> he started off sincere. He started off loving the whole plan. He started off totally invested. He started off totally committed. And he's doing it. And he's doing it. But then he begins to see things that he doesn't think is right. I have been on this side of it, not knowing that a tick was on me. But what happened is a list of grievances began to build. Do you know what I mean by that? I start having a list of things I don't think are right in the leaders around me. I start having a list of things I don't think are right. And, and here's how it comes out. You know, man, here's the funny thing is, is that my intent is for the body to grow. My intent is for the kingdom to be spread. My intent is for the highest and the best of God's plan to come to pass. But my attitude is saying, but what they're doing is not going to add up to that. And so I'm judging what they're doing. And I'm saying, if they would only do it this way, we would have more growth. If they'd only do it this way, we would see better results. If they'd only do it... Does this sound familiar? 
And, you know, to you it may not even sound even remotely familiar, but you're lying. Anyway, <laughs> understand. Because we all go through this. We all see things that we think need to be corrected, and we're like, yeah, but if, if, if I were in charge, I would do it this way, this way, and this way. There's a reason why you're not in charge. But this is the seeds of betrayal. This is where betrayal comes from. Where the, Now suddenly, a, a debt begins to accrue in the relationship. So now Judas is saying, I've given this much into the relationship, but I don't feel like I'm getting that much back. And so this debt begins to, be, to, to accrue. And in, okay, <laughs> understand that, that um, betrayal, betrayal masks itself in a noble cause. Where everybody wants to be justified and everybody wants to do the right thing. And so you will begin to betray for the sake of the righteous cause. And you don't even know you're betraying. You'll begin to betray with your attitude and your words and your heart. And you'll suddenly, you're now you're no longer defending who you're with. You're accusing who you're with. And now you've taken the side of the accuser of the brethren. And those accusations are a tick. Not only on you but now on them. Do you see how this is a strong word, isn't it? And I'm not talking about just this. I'm talking about the body. I'm talking about there's a reason why the night he was betrayed, he took bread. Praise God. The night that he knew he was being betrayed, he said it over and over again that night. I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to be betrayed. He knew who was going to betray him, and he didn't back off. He took bread. He says, this is my body. Turn over to Genesis. Goodness. Are we getting something here? Yes. Oh, glory to God. The funny thing, like I said, is, is that when we begin to justify our actions, and we begin to, not just our actions, but we begin to justify saying, well, I just want the best to be done, that is a mask for uh, for, the, for the tick. That's the mask for betrayal. Um, because, you know, Jesus, now let me, get to, let, me, let me make this point real quick. Jesus did everything right. Is that right? right. He did everything right. right. And yet there was a betrayer among them, right? <sighs> so doing everything right has nothing to do with whether or not seeds of betrayal can be in the play. Is that right? So, so that also means doing everything wrong does not justify betrayal. This is big. I'm saying, I can never justify betrayal. No matter how right or wrong my leader is, no matter how right or wrong my brother and sister is in the Lord, no matter how right or wrong they are, that has nothing to do with it. Because the amount of rightness had nothing to do with betrayal. The amount of wrongness doesn't either. This is not about right and wrong. Don't trick yourself into thinking that it's about them being right or them being wrong. This is about pride in your heart. That's what it's about. Because Jesus did everything right. He loved Judas all the way through. He couldn't have loved him anymore. I mean, he was pouring out the love of God to him, but he still betrayed him because it wasn't about that. It was about a pride in Judas's heart. Oh, goodness. Look over, okay. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, look over to uh, Matthew and 26. I know I told you to go somewhere else, but we're going to go to Matthew 26. We're going to get the, the, the body of Christ set free today, amen? amen? 
Praise God. I don't want this nonsense anymore. In verse 6, 26.6, says, And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Now, if you read in John's version of this, you see it was Judas saying this. Judas is the one who said this. Okay? And so, uh, so he says, But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. He's correcting them. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on, on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the world, uh, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial for her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to your hands? And they counted him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. This was the last straw in Judas' eyes. He couldn't get corrected one more time. All of them got corrected that day. All of them got chewed out that day for their attitude. But Jesus, but Judas had a seed. He had a seed of betrayal on the inside of him. And he goes, okay, that's it. Last straw. I'm done. Now, he didn't intend Jesus to be harmed. We know that. But he was now switching to being an accuser. He's like, okay, I'm out. I've given all I can give. Now, let's keep going here. Back over to Genesis. I want you to see why this had to be dealt with on the cross. Genesis chapter, chapter 3. Praise God. I'm telling you, I am telling on myself so much in this because I have been on both sides of this thing where my attitudes have gotten lousy and I realized that I was no longer defending and protecting the people around me. I was accusing them. And I was pointing out how wrong they were. And right now, all over the body of Christ, this is happening all the time. You know how wrong they are, and wrong how wrong they are, and how wrong they are, and it's all in the voice of a just cause. It's all in saying, well, I just want what's best. I just want the highest. I just want what's right. And it's masking betrayal is all it's doing. Man, this is, all, this is oh, goodness. Praise God. Let's keep going. Genesis chapter 3. Now, uh, this is after the fall, right? Um, and in verse, uh, verse 10, a certain verse 10, so he said, I, I heard your voice. Now he's talking about, this is Adam, after they sinned, talking to God. I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? Now, once again, does God know what they did? Yeah. Yes. So, He's just wanting Adam to repent. That's all he's wanting Adam to do is repent at this point. He's just wanting to fess up. Have you eaten from the tree which I command you that you should not eat? Verse 12. Then the man said, what did he say? The woman. Come on now. The woman you gave me. Come on. You gave me this woman, and here's what she did. The woman you gave me, here's what she did. She gave me of the tree, and I ate. Yes. What did he do to her? He betrayed her. This, now understand, who Adam? Adam is the man of authority in the earth. His words give definition to the world around him. Right? In Genesis 2, God brought the animals to him and he spoke. And whatever he called them, that's what they were. 
He has the authority of speaking and placing identity. And notice what he did. He, at one time, he called the woman flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones, right? Yeah. And he gave her her identity. Yeah. She is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. And he, as the voice of authority in the earth, gave the woman her identity when he did that in Genesis chapter 2. Now, what is he saying? It's her. She's the one who did it. Notice what he's doing. He is violating the relationship between him and his, and his bride. And he is actually now placing an accusation on his bride. And he is actually identifying her now from this time forward as the one with blame. As the one with condemnation. As the accused. He did this over the bride. And that same thing needed to be dealt with through the blood. Because it has been attached to the bride ever since. And so there's this betrayal that has been attached to the bride. Oh my goodness. And so you, there's been walls put up. There's been defensive measures where the two should be one flesh. Where the two should be supporting one another. Now they're in contention with one another. Not because she ate, but because he didn't take his role as the husband. But because he didn't step up as the voice of authority, and he didn't say, okay, you know what, I did sin, and I believe you're bigger than my sin. He didn't say that. He said, blame, accusation, she didn't do it right. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we find out that, and yeah, did she do it right? No, she didn't do it right, right? I'm not letting her off the hook at all. Good Lord, Eve, quit being stupid. But anyway, understand, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that, that she was deceived and he was not. So she was deceived and he should have covered her. He should have. And he could have released her from that bondage of deception, but instead he placed blame and accusation instead of releasing her. Yeah. This, this is why it had to be dealt with on the cross, because it was attached to the blood of man. And because it was attached to the blood of man, it had to be, it had to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And so, oh goodness, praise God. Uh, turn over to, to um, Luke chapter 23. I know I'm going over just a few minutes. Is that okay? Are we okay with this? I want us to get this just wrapped up. Praise God. And we only got a couple more minutes on this thing. But man, I want to get it wrapped up. Luke chapter 23. Because I am tired of the body of Christ being a bunch of Judases. And I'm tired of the ticks on me. And I'm tired of the ticks on my brothers and sisters. And I just, I don't want to perpetrate this anymore. There was a blood that was shed. Luke 23. And, um, oh my goodness, praise God. Uh, verse 33. Luke 23, 33. And when they had come to the place called Calvary. There they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, my goodness, this is huge. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Why? They don't know what they do. Did they look like they knew what they were doing? Yes, but they were in deception. Here he is as the second Adam. Do you see what he's doing? He's covering the bride. He's going, there's deception working. And they betrayed me because of their deception. But I'm going to take the weight of all of it. 
I'm going to take the weight of all of it, and I'm going to let you be bigger than this, Father. And he's not even saying, Father, I forgive them. He, that's what, he already forgave them. It wasn't even about Jesus forgiving them. He was standing in the gap between the Father and the sinner, finally, and he's saying, no, I'm covering the bride once and for all because they're in deception. And what should have happened in the first Adam didn't happen, but the second and the last Adam reconciled it. Praise God! But do you see this? He's just like, man, it's time to be free of this so we don't have to accuse one another, so we don't have to put the, stop making it about what other people are doing and stop, stop being a betrayer and just begin to support, begin to lift up, begin to actually, but we can't do it without the blood. We can't do it without the body of Christ being broken. And I just want to break this off of me. I need to, you understand, I'm talking about just repenting, not just for us individually, not just for a church here, but I want to repent for the body of Christ. Because he called us, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he called us the ministers of reconciliation. And he said, and he reconciled himself to the world and the world to him, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And realizing that there are, oh my goodness. Okay. Let's just turn back over to, well, okay, Romans chapter 8. My goodness. Romans 8. And in verse 33. Romans 8, verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? How dare I? How dare I bring a charge against God's elect? How dare I ever bring a charge against God's elect? I'm talking about being an accuser. I'm talking about just, just saying, well, you know what? I still love them, and I still want them to do well, and I still want the things of God to be done, but they're doing it wrong. That is betrayal. Because I don't know what... I, okay, let's keep going. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Notice what he says. Who is he condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore, is also risen, praise God, who's even at the right hand, and what's he doing right now? He's making intercession for us. So now, praise God, I have a risen Savior, a high priest, who's making intercession for me, and now I am a new creation, and now I have a voice of authority in the earth, just like Adam did originally. I have a voice of authority in the earth, and I get to choose. Do I align my voice of authority with the accuser, or do I align it with the intercessor? Whose voice am I aligning it with? And, And it doesn't just have to do with what I'm saying. It has to do with my attitude, right? It has to do with my attitude. What is my attitude toward people? It, you know, am I accusing them in my heart? Am I sitting there causing, saying, you know what? Yeah, they're, they're okay, but they're shooting themselves. Man, I have had that come out of my mouth so many times about people that I love, people I respect and honor. I go, yeah, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. That's sin. I should never say that. And I've done it over and over again. That's betrayal. Because I'm allowing my voice to be aligned with the accuser instead of the intercessor. Instead of the one that makes up the gap, instead of the one who stands and says, no, 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 God is bigger. Praise God. The blood has already been shed. So let's turn over back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to wrap this up. And we're going to, we're going to take communion. And we're going to let the body be the body. And we're going to let the blood be the blood. So over there, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, where we started this whole thing. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered also unto you, that the Lord Jesus, 
on the same night in which he was betrayed. Do you see his heart here? He's about to be betrayed. And what does he do? Verse 24. He takes bread and he says, he gives thanks. Not accusation. He gives thanks. And he broke the bread. He says, take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Glory to God. Verse 25. In the same manner also he took the cup after after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often. Mm. Notice what he's... This is communion. And what I want to do, let's go ahead and have whoever's whoever's going to pass out the communion elements, just go ahead and come on up. And uh, we'll go ahead and pass them out. I know there were some people assigned to do that. And just go ahead and start passing it out, and I'm just going to keep talking. And we're going to take it all together. Amen? So we're going to, we're going to wait for everybody to be, to be served, and then we're going to take it all as, as a body. And I'll, I'll pray after we get it all, all taken care of. So just go ahead and start passing. Praise God. Are we ready to just deal with this thing? Like I said, this is not a matter of... of our willpower, this is a matter of the blood. It's a matter of the body. It's a matter of what needed to be done on the cross. And I'm just tired of it, and I just don't want, I don't want to be weak, and I don't want to be sick. I don't want the body weak and sick. Now, one of the things about this, now, um, like I said, you can, you can just hold your elements and I'll just keep, keep talking about this. Because the one thing that I want us to understand is that when Jesus was doing this, what, um, what, what were they celebrating here when they were doing this? You guys remember? Anybody remember what they were celebrating here when they did this? Passover, right. Okay, so they're celebrating Passover. Now, do you remember what happened during Passover in, in Jewish history? The death cloud passed over, right? If you guys have ever seen the Ten Commandments, you know what happens, right? They put, the, they put the blood over the doorpost and over the mantle, and the death cloud passed over. And you remember what happened the next day? The very next day is they went from Egypt, and they, they, they took all of the gold and the silver, and they left Egypt, and they just went on the exodus, right? They, they, they all left Egypt. Now understand, what God is telling them here is remember what happened at the Passover. They went from slavery to being kings of the earth. Passover is not a a sad moment. Passover is not a memorial service, okay? (laughs) Passover is a rejoicing. Passover is, I once was a slave, but now I'm free. That's what Passover is all about. That's what communion is all about. It's about remembering the blood and the body of the Christ. It is not about condemnation. It is not about woe is me. I'm just, this is about realizing that what I couldn't do, he did. When I was a slave, he made me free, praise God. When I couldn't deal with my own sin, he paid for my own sin. When I couldn't deal with what was ravaging in my body, he dealt with it through his body, praise God. At the same token, I want us to understand that the same night he was betrayed, he took bread. He dealt with betrayal in this. He dealt with it. So this is not a, this is not a remorseful, woe is me, crying, and, and all that stuff. This is when I actually begin to change my identity, right? 
And we're going to do this for the whole body of Christ. We're going to, we're going to disidentify. We're going to pull the tick off, praise God. And we're going to say, no, no, no. The body is not accusers. We are not accusers as the body of Christ. We are going to go from a different identity. We used to be an accuser. We used to be the ones who were victims. We used to be the bride that has been betrayed. We are no longer the bride that has been betrayed, praise God. My Jesus held on a cross and he forgave. That's what he did. And so now we are free from the identity of the betrayer. And it's rejoicing. It is not, woe is me, let's cry about it. It is, glory to God. I don't have to bear the weight of this anymore. Okay, this is rejoicing time. Praise God. Brother? I wanted to say this. Uh, with what Daryl mentioned, the authority. Um, it, it, there's, there is a variety of opinions on, uh, on this. But when Jesus... Uh, when Judas, in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it says that Judas dipped in the bowl with Jesus. And in the Jewish custom, um, again, this is, there's, different, there's different meanings of this, but, but, but uh, there is a certain bowl for the person who is at the head of the table and the one that is in charge. And you equate yourself with them when you dip with them. And so when Judas dipped with him, he was equating himself with him instead of coming under him. Do you know one of the, th the, the it, it relies on who's in authority. And one of the things I think why Pastor Darrell is getting this, and I've been hearing this about the body, is this. Every one of you are in charge of you. You're the king of you. You're, you're, you're in charge of you. And do you know, here is where I see the betrayal going on so much in the body, and we've got to stop it, is I look and I decide, well, you shouldn't have done that. Well, you shouldn't have done that. Well, you should. Remember, Judas kept questioning Jesus this whole time. Well, why'd you let her do that? Well, why'd you do that? And, and Dale read the scripture where it says the disciples said this, but I think they were stirred by Judas. Because Judas is the one that got hacked and betrayed. And when somebody doesn't take our suggestions, I'm going to be honest with you, as a parent, I want my kids to still listen to me. I don't care how old they are because I want to keep them safe and I have good motives and I just want them to be safe. And if they just listen to me, and then, they, then they wouldn't ever get in trouble and everything could be safe and just go up and lock yourself in your room so nothing bad can happen. And we, all, we always think we have what's best. Well, if you do this, well, if you do this. And we look at our brother and sister and we try to decide whether what they're doing is what I think they should be doing. And when they don't do what I think they should be doing, then I separate from them and I betray them and I start having that attitude against them. And I think it's so important that we realize we're not supposed to run each other. They're the boss of them and they are the ones that's anointed to be them. I'm not anointed to be them. And in the body of Christ, we are so offended because we walk around and we decide, well, I'll tell you what, Brady should have done that and Pat should have done that and, and, I, and Susan shouldn't be doing that and Doc should be doing that and I told them and they still didn't do it and that's why their life's in a mess. Attitude. And so I think we need to release that. It's such a tick and a virus uh, that's, that's in. And what, is, what the cool thing is, Pastor Darrell, is this. In John's gospel, it doesn't say that Judas dipped. It said, and notice how every disciple looks at the same situation and they pick the highlights up that mean something to them. John was written to the church. And in, in, the, in the account to the church, John said, 
Jesus dipped. And when the master of the table dips and gives it to somebody, it is a sign of great affection and love. He knew he was being dis- he knew he was being betrayed, and he still took the bread and dipped it and gave it to the person betraying him. And I think that we need to do that same thing here today as we partake. We need to forgive and release and get this junk off of us. I'm just telling you, this is a. I, I want you all to know, Pastor Darrell, I never even got to spend time with him this time. And I really regret it because he told me, he said, just leave me alone. I need to hear from God. I, 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 I just, I want to hear from God. I'm like, okay, you want to come eat? Well, I need to hear from God. And so we never got together to be together. And, but... Dude, this is so prophetic for the body, for the body of Christ. And church, if we're going to have an outpouring, we have to leave each other alone and be unified. And I want us today when we partake of this, just to release and forgive and to leave people alone and to let every person who's in charge of their life be, live their life and to be the king of their life. Amen? Amen. And you know, that's it's so huge when we get into this because, like you said, you know, when here Jesus was so strong and he was able to um, to knowing he was being betrayed he was able to just love he was able to just pour it out and he was breaking the the strength of betrayal he's breaking it and we have that same anointing don't we we're we're the body of Christ now aren't we so we now have the same anointing as Jesus had on his life so now I can break that strength of betrayal when I love in the face of it when I pour out in the face of it, I don't, I don't entertain it. And it's not even so much that I'm not agreeing with what everybody's doing. There's a lot of wrong stuff. So what? I do wrong stuff. Who cares? You know, it's like God's grace is bigger than all that. You know, I'm not sitting there saying that everybody's doing the right, right stuff. I'm just saying God's bigger than your wrong stuff. He's bigger than my wrong stuff. And let's let him be Lord. Amen? Amen. He's Lord. I'm not Lord. Praise God, I'm not Lord. You should just thank Jesus right now that I'm not Lord. Okay? Because you don't want me Lord over you. Okay? But uh, anyway, uh, but I just want to understand, there is something that's going to take place right now. I'm talking about for the whole body of Christ, not just this church. But we get to be the hand of the body that removes the tick. Praise God. Amen. And oh man, you're not the tick, I'm not the tick, and nobody around us is the tick. But what I don't want us to do is get, we were in a tick-rich environment called social media called just you know the the world around us full of gossip and rumor and full of everybody's opinion who cares you know you need to go ask god god what do you think about that and most of the time when i've said lord what do you think about there's crickets like he won't tell me anything about what's going on with them he'll tell me about what's going on with me right and so uh, i'm just i tell people go go tell me what god says about that just do that don't ask facebook ask god Okay, and so, uh, but when we do this, man, there's power in this. Can you feel the power of this right now? This is huge. This is not just about personal. I need to repent for my own personal nonsense. Amen. I'm going to do that. But at the same time, I want to repent as the body for the body. And as the body, we are going to go. We are going to take ground and and actually expand the kingdom free of the, the sense of betrayal. So we can do it in joy. So we can just do it in joy and in strength. Praise God. So let's just go ahead and partake. Father, right now, we lift up the body. Oh, Lord God. Yes. Yes. This is a time of joy. This is where we go from bondage to freedom. Praise God. And so, Father, the night that you were betrayed, you took bread. Oh, glory to God. And you knew what was about to come. And you knew what was going to come after that was resurrection. Praise God. 
And so we partake, Lord God. Oh, Father, right now, yeah. We partake of the broken body that was broken for every area of brokenness in the body of Christ. We discern the Lord's body right now. Yeah. We discern the Lord's body as the royal priesthood. We discern the Lord's body as the anointed children of God. We discern the Lord's body as God's elect. We discern the Lord's body as the kings and the priests of the earth. And we will not lay charge against God's elect. We will not condemn the anointed, Lord God. We will not, Father God, rise up against your sons and your daughters. And Father God, you, by your son Jesus, broke your body so that every broken part of the body could be made whole. Praise God. And so we take communion. We take the bread right now. Let's just partake of it. Glory to God. the atmosphere we speak it the healing of the body that's right that there be no schism in the body praise God yep no schism in the body no schism in the body father God we are your body and we rise up as the redeemed and so right now father personally I repent for allowing those attitudes in my heart to in any way accuse my brethren. I repent of that right now. And I know that I already stand forgiven, but I use my authority to repent of that. I use my authority to disidentify myself from that. I am not a betrayer. I am a child of love. That's all I know is how to love. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. And I lay down my life for my brother. I lay down my life for my sister. I will be the voice of the intercessor. I will be the voice of my high priest. And I will say, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. And I will stand in the gap for them. And I will impart grace to them. Because that's what they need is grace. They don't need condemnation. They don't need accusation. They don't need blame. They don't need fault finding. They need grace. And I will be the one to stand in the gap. And I will be a minister of reconciliation, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And I will do it by your power in me. I will do it by the broken body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. And right now we stand as the body of Christ. We stand as the body of Christ. We declare that as the body of Christ, we repent for the whole body. We repent for the whole body right now. And we mark this day. We draw the line in the sand this day, this very moment. We mark this day and we say the body is free. We call the body free. We call the body free. Praise God. We call it free of betrayal, free of accusation, free of blame, free of condemnation. And we allow joy to flow freely in the body of Christ. And this is how they will know us, by our love one for another. Praise God. And so right now we partake of the blood that bought that for us in Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and partake. Father, we settle that. And we do it like the children of Israel. We do it like those who got up and realized we're no longer slaves. We take the identity as kings. 
We take the identity as priests in the earth. We take the identity of those who run and rule, Father God, for the kingdom. And we do it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to connect with us, go like our Facebook page and stay updated with everything happening here at LFMC. Or, if you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website at lamarfamilyministrycenter.com. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.